0: Down
1: that rabbit hole, so reality is questionable. Try, but you just can't let it go. These two right here pull it on the show. It's paranormal, overload with southern hospitality.
2: On that murder mayhem tip while discussing immortality. Locations with a dark past, history that comes to life. Hillbillies with a knack for everything that goes bump
1: at night. Hope you to be by yourself. These two are happy turning on the light. Mixing in a little comedy to make sure it all fits in
0: just right. Aye. Hey.
1: Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. Now here's your host, Jerry and Tracy Paul, Tender Dog News.
2: Hey guys, it's Jerry from Hillbilly Horror Stories. You know we always try to turn you guys on to the best paranormal podcasts out there. With that said... Do you like stories that the strange, the weird, and the unexplained? Then we want you to check out Jim Harold's Campfire. It's definitely one of the best paranormal podcasts out there, and it's on the top of my favorites list. What makes it so great? It's that the concept is pretty simple. Jim just talks to regular people like you and me. They talk about all the strange stuff that happens to them for 90 minutes every week. He doesn't exaggerate or play a lot of spooky music. The stories speak for themselves. These stories cover everything from ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, and some head-scratchers. For example, there's a story involving serial killer Ted Bundy. There's also a story about an alien abduction that may have been by a reptilian. And there's one young man who encountered an eight-legged demon. That's right, an eight-legged demon. Now, not all these stories are horrifying. Some are heartwarming, like a visit from a past loved one or a peaceful near-death experience, perhaps. I was lucky enough to share my heartwarming story about two bikers who delivered a message to me from my passed on mother. These stories are true and fascinating and told by ordinary people who've had extraordinary experiences. Do me a favor, listen and follow Jim Harold's Campfire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast. Hey guys, welcome to episode 300 of Hillbilly Horror Stories.
3: Tres. Tres. Tres?
2: That is nowhere near 300.
3: Well, how do you say zero?
2: I don't know, but it's not...
3: <laughs> it's t- uno, dos, tres, cinco, cinco, cinco.
2: Yeah, but you'd have to go all the way up to 300, and you don't oh. know how to do that.
3: Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, cinco, seis. Yeah. Thank you, Sesame Street. That's all I know.
2: It was not right, though. Some oh. of was wrong.
3: Fine, Jerry. On, uh.
2: <laughs> all right. This is going to be a unique episode, and we're going to tell people before we even get into anything else, this is not kid-friendly. And if you're squeamish, this may be an episode for you to skip.
3: Oh, no. Do I need to leave the room?
2: <laughs> you're going to want to leave the room. Oh, this, might be sure. the, this might be the toughest story we've ever done, and it's not paranormal-related. It's cult-related.
3: But it's but a I, sunny day, and it's pretty.
2: But I heard the story, and I was completely amazed by it. I don't know how I haven't heard of it before. And I think this is something that's really just catching on recently because I noticed a bunch of uh, writings, uh, clips, videos that were all done within the last couple of years. So I think a lot of people were just catching on to it. But anyway, before we go any further, I want to thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you guys for everything you do.
3: Amen. Thank and gals you guys.
2: And, and dogs and, and animals and yes. everybody.
3: Thank you guys so much for protecting us. Y'all stay safe. We'll be praying for you guys every single day.
2: Tracy, it's been another week of people contacting us that are struggling with yeah. various things in their life right now. And, you know, some of some of the ones have really near and dear to me because it's a lot like I went through. So it's yeah. very easy to uh, comprehend exactly where they're coming from. And anytime you get somebody that writes you that just says, I'm thinking of ending it all, or I don't know where to turn. I, I'm completely lost. It it just it just hits you where
3: it does. It you t- know, in t- your t- heart. T- it does. It tugs at your heart a lot.
2: And you do everything you can to help, and that's why I love the group so much. Is because I know there's a bunch of people in the group that we never even hear from. That you guys are picking up the slack, and yeah, and you're you're dealing with with people the best that you can.
3: Yeah, we couldn't do it without you all, that's for sure, without all your support. And we'll love you forever for that.
2: But if you do need help, please get help somewhere. If it's not from us, you know, you can always call the 800 number.
3: Yes, it's 800-273-8255. You can text at 741-741. And they're very good and very prompt. And they'll be there for you. And as well, the group and Jerry and I are there for you as always.
2: Good. We're going to have, uh, after this story, because you're going to want something to cheer you up, we're going to talk to Jake and Sierra Shirley. They are the owners of Grimm's Attic. It's all kinds of crazy, morbid stuff that you can buy. Yeah, because that'll uh, cheer
3: you up. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but but they set in with us in the studio. It's only the second time we've had somebody actually in, in the studio in person and uh, we went out to dinner and they sat in with us and we had a good night and it was kind of fun. And yeah, we talked it was. about some paranormal stories that they have along with uh, what they do. So there you go.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You guys listen, give them a listen. You'll enjoy it.
2: All right. I need your full attention on this one.
3: I'm a listening, even though I don't think I want to.
2: For our 300th episode and the live event in Louisville, because they're actually getting this the day before you guys do. We decided to do something that we've never done. We've never completely covered a cult. Now, we've spoke about some satanic cults as part of a bigger picture story that we've done on the episode, but the episodes weren't focused on the cult itself. Also, like I said, this story comes with a disclaimer at the very beginning, letting you know that it's not an episode for kids, it's not work-friendly, and this is mainly due to the graphic details that are in this story. So, in the words of ACDC, are you ready? I love that song. I know you do. Today, we're going to discuss Rock Terio and the Ant Hill Kids, as they would soon become known. Rock Terio was a unique individual, to say the least. Because of his gruesome reputation of abuse, he would eventually earned the nickname of the Savage Messiah.
3: Yikes, I don't like him already.
2: So let's take some time to learn a little bit about Rock and his uh, progression to cult leader. He was born in 1947, and he dropped out of school in seventh grade, and he started teaching himself the Old Testament of the Bible. He was convinced that a war between good and evil was about to come, and that would end the world as we knew it. He converted to the Seventh-day Adventist church, and he lived by their rules, sort of. You see, their rules were no tobacco, no unhealthy foods, no drugs, and no alcohol. That last one he kind of had a little bit of a problem with. And We're going to speak more to that in a bit, because when you can learn how it comes into play. Rock was a very charismatic young man, and much like most cult leaders, you know, they're very persuasive. He was good at persuading others to do pretty much anything he wanted them to do. I want to point this out, too. He was French-Canadian, mm-hmm. so technically his name is probably Roque instead of Rock, and, but I don't have a French accent, so I've heard it both. Most people call him Rock, but I believe it was Roque. Just wanted to point that out before anybody else corrected me on it.
3: I think I'm about to call him Juggity jerk Face.
2: <laughs> anyway, for example, just to show his persuasiveness... In 1977, he convinced a group of people to leave their jobs, their homes, and their families and join his religious movement.
3: So men and women, I guess.
2: Yeah, if I remember correctly, and I didn't write this down, this is kind of important, I probably should have. I think there were 12 adults and something something like seven kids or something at the time mm-hmm. or through the original movement. So it wasn't a huge group of people, but it was a group of people, and I think there were some husband and wives in there and their kids. That's how that worked out. Now he started this cult in Quebec with the goal to form a commune where people could freely listen to his motivational speeches, live in unity and equality, and free of sin. All that sounds good. Well, yeah, it's done some bad so far. He prohibited the group from having any contact with their families and with the Seventh-day Adventist Church. This was against the cult's values of freedom, according to him. Hmm. And I think a lot of this, you, you'll see why he has a problem with the Seventh-day Adventist, uh, Adventist because they had a falling out. And we'll get into that, in a little more details about that later. It's probably a good time to mention that, like I said, that he was kicked out of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Because of his drinking, and he had a problem with authority and his weird behavior.
3: Okay, so he's already broken one of his rules. Yes. Okay.
2: Yes. So let's talk about the drinking problem. Before I do, though, I want to address something else. Rock talked about being abused as a child. Mm -hmm. But neither parent remembers any of the accounts that he claims happened. So maybe this was just an early sign of his mental issues. Mm -hmm. Because as we're going to find, he had a knack for being a really good liar and even believing some of these lies himself. Yeah. 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 So let's get back to the drinking part. During his first marriage with a gentleman by the name of Francine Grenier, a marriage that failed, by the way. Rock developed a bad case of stomach ulcers. So he started learning everything that he possibly could about medicine and the human body. Well, in the meantime, he turned to alcohol to ease the pain. This led to some heavy drinking on a daily basis. This, along with his infidelity, as well as their family home getting foreclosed on, led to the divorce. Yeah. Apparently that doesn't go well. When well, you have, apparently not. Because he had a couple of kids with her. Oh, okay. So,
3: And I'm sure that drinking didn't help his ulcers any.
2: I wouldn't think so, but I'm not a doctor. Yeah. All of this was before he started the cult, obviously. So what's funny is the fact that he would go to bars after his marriage failed, and he would talk to people in the bars about his Seventh-day Adventist faith (laughs) while ignoring the fact that alcohol was a no-no. Oh. So it's like hey, I'm in a bar uh, and I'm drinking, but, you know, hey, come join our yeah. religion. Now, this is before, like I said, this is before, before he had his gun. cult. right? So he was really big into the church at the time, except he just didn't want to follow all the rules. Now, Rock had the ability to always twist his story in a way that he would get sympathy from somebody that he was speaking to. This technique is how he was able to get his initial followers. He was supposed to be trying to... Um, Enlist people into the church. hmm You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of like when the you know, the Latter day Saints come and knock on your door, Jehovah's right. Witness. That was what he's supposed to be doing recruiting. But instead he recruited for himself. Yeah, gotcha. So these people that he was talking to, he was like, Hey, I can cut out the middleman, they can just follow me. And I want to make sure we point out at this time that what what Rock did was not indicative of the church. Right. Of, of the Seventh Day Adventists, yeah. this matter of fact, that's why they kicked him out.
3: Because, because yeah, he, he was following, not following
2: the rules. So yeah. you know that just happened to be the religion he was following, but but what he did had nothing to do with their do with, religion. Yeah, it went completely against the teaching. So I want to make sure everybody knows that right. this isn't a knock against the uh, Seventh Day Adventist Church. Uh huh. Because they didn't like him either. Well, good. So
3: good. Okay.
2: All right. So he opened. His cult, which he called the Healthy Living Clinic, because of course he was also a healer. Did you know that? No. Yeah, he was a healer. Here at this clinic that they opened up, you could get herbs and foods along with uh, some other types of alternative medicine, and it would help whatever illness you had. That's what he said. In true cult leader form, Rock's followers built the clinic the houses, and all the other buildings on the campus, and all as he watched and never lifted a finger.
3: Get out of here. Oh, I
2: told oh. you he could convince them to do anything. Dang. So Rock said that watching them move in unity as a colony gave him the name of his followers, the Ant Hill Kids, because they worked like a colony of ants. Oh,
3: that makes sense, I reckon.
2: Now, the compound slash clinic, however you want to call it, is open. So, Rock established a dress code for the men and the women. He, of course, was different, so he wore this big dark brown robe, so he stood out. But the women wore green tunics, and the men dressed all in beige. The women were in green, men are in beige. You know what a tunic is, right? That sounds boring. It is. It is, and he wore brown, so. Well, he- that's
3: so basic.
2: At the compound, there was approximately nine women at this point. Mm-hmm. One of them was a woman by the name of Giselle. Now, she was the woman that he actually cheated on his first wife with. That was okay. the infidelity we talked about. Uh, yes, Most of the women here were infatuated with Rock, and Giselle didn't really like that. She was kind of the jealous, jealous. type. Jealous, okay. So to make her happy, Rock decided that, hey, I'm going to ease your mind, and I'm going to marry you. And that's what he did. But, just like before, he cheated on her with all the other women. So it didn't really matter. Now, because he considered all these women to be his wives, they were his concubine, he didn't see anything wrong with this. And he didn't think she should see anything wrong with it. So, no harm, no foul. That's the way he looked at it. Hmm. They're all my wives, technically.
3: Right. A man thing.
2: So when he wasn't having sex with all the women at the clinic, he was trying to heal people. Wait, because, what? Because, like you guessed it, he was a healer. That's what he does. He's a healer. He was he trying to.
3: Ke- did you say heal or kill? Heal. Heal? Heal. Oh, I thought you said kill. No.
2: But he wasn't very good at healing. A woman by the name of Geraldine Auclair died when he tried to treat her leukemia with grape juice and organic foods. Big shock. That doesn't work.
3: Well, that'd be nice leukemia. if it did.
2: His response to this, you know, when God wants people, he takes them. It was Geraldine's time. Fair enough. To Rock, his little compound was heaven. Everyone listened to him. He had no bills and he had his pick of any women at the compound. But things were about to start turning ugly. In April of 1978, is when Rock was kicked out of the Seventh-day Adventist church for the reasons that we discussed earlier.
3: Yes, you can't be breaking those rules. Yeah,
2: and his weird behavior. Yes. Now, this was the start of a downward spiral. At roughly the same time, Giselle, his wife, his real wife, who was pregnant with, with Rock's child, gave him an ultimatum. Either disband the commune, or she was going to move back in with her father. His response? He punched her in the mouth and locked her in her room for two days. After this, he started giving everyone in the clinic new names from the Old Testament. And he gave himself the name Moses and professed that he was a prophet of the Lord.
3: You don't punch a woman in the mouth and become a prophet, you douche.
2: Also... He had a vision. Big news. The world was going to end February 1979, so less than a year away. Because of this, he annulled any marriages that anyone in the cult had, and he announced that all of the women were now his wives. They were all his wife, officially.
3: Did the one girl get out? No. No, she stayed?
2: Yes. You're going to find that's quite the, the habit of the people here. He did this to form his own harem or concubine and was very proud of it. He would tell anybody who visited that this was his harem. This was his concubine. He loved it. Trust me when I say that up to this far, the story has been very tame. So buckle up.
3: So people that he told didn't see any reason to talk about this to people? Here's the,
2: here's the deal. Roque, as we said, I said Roque. I yeah. went I went French for a second. <laughs> Roque, as we said, was very persuasive. It seemed like everybody within the town liked him. So it didn't matter. People always thought there was some weird stuff going on up there, but he was such a likable guy that they didn't really, it was like, well, we don't really agree with what they're saying, but they seem like nice people. So there wasn't a lot of people against him. He didn't really have any enemies. He would go to the bars, and he knew everybody at the bar. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it was like, he was just like the weird guy up on the hill, but there was no reason for anybody to not like him. Right. So okay. it didn't matter what people said. So this is where things started to kind of, like I said, we started spiraling down, down out of control. Rock started to ration food to members that he felt were lazy or that he felt were overeaters. So if he thinks you're eating too much, you're just not going to get as much food. It's a sin. Gluttony's a sin. Laziness to him was a sin. He began abusing his wife, Giselle, whenever she brought up affairs. She had no business bringing it up. You bring it up, you get punished. Mm-hmm. As you can imagine, this did not sit well with some of the members of the, uh, of the clinic. Some wanted to leave. Much to Rock's dismay, he began to fall deeper into darkness. He became the demons that he swore to protect his members from in the beginning. Rock had had enough. No one else was going to be leaving, period. After one woman threatened to leave, Rock instructed her husband to cut one of her toes off.
3: Wait, stop. Stop. Rock instructed her the husband woman's husband to took cut off her toe? One of her toes. He did it?
2: Teach her a lesson. Well, the husband gave some pushback. And when he did, Rock threatened to remove all of her toes himself if the husband didn't do it. So her husband removed one of her small toes.
3: <gasps> oh.
2: Remember we said Doomsday was coming up.
3: Oh, my gosh. In
2: February? Shortly after this tow incident, the doomsday of February 17th, 1979 came and went. Nothing happened. So, Rock explained that God didn't use the same kind of time as we did. It was still coming. He just wouldn't sure an exact date because God doesn't use our calendar. <laughs> Basically. All the while, he's becoming more and more frustrated with everything that's going on. Members were restricted from even talking to each other unless he was present. So, if he's not around, keep your mouth shut all the time. Dude. Or else. Members who wanted to leave were hit with a belt or a hammer and sometimes suspended from the ceiling. Sometimes he would pluck their hairs out individually and sometimes he would defecate on them.
3: Oh, my goodness.
2: I'm sure not while they were on the ceiling, because that would have been hard What did he would hang them?
3: Like, what, how did he hang them? I mean, what was...
2: Not exactly sure. Oh. So during all of his... You know, all this stuff going on, his devoted followers became even more loyal to him, believe it or not. That
3: is crazy.
2: In all, his concubine would have 27 children fathered by rock. While his members were loyal... Their families were not. Rock was eventually arrested for obstruction of justice because he did not allow the police to come on the property and retrieve one of the members who the family had sent him after. He had to undergo a court-ordered psych evaluation. And believe it or not, doctors couldn't find anything wrong with him. He was a nice guy. As a matter of fact, the doctors even started criticizing the people who treated him like a crazy person. You know the guy that runs a cult and calls himself Moses. God forbid, you think he's a crazy person.
3: So, I mean, are any of the husbands still here at this point? Yeah, or?
2: yeah. There wasn't very many. Mostly, it was mostly so women, just
3: women mm-hmm. kids.
2: All right. Here goes the bad stuff. You probably thought that was already some of the bad stuff.
3: Yes, it's terrible. Now,
2: take a deep breath. March twenty third, nineteen eighty. There was a party because told you, Rock had two kids from his previous marriage. Mm-hmm. Well, they were coming to live on the compound, so he had a party. That's when things turned ugly really quick. Rock had put a man who was mentally deficient, we will say, in charge of watching all the kids. I should say all the kids that weren't his, because the kids that weren't his, Rock called the animals. His kids got preferential treatment, somewhat, as far as... I thought
3: all the kids are his, except for the two. No, there
2: was kids that weren't... It took over the years he ended up with 27, but some of the kids on there that, like, there were kids that were there originally Uh that wasn't. So anyways, the man's name was Guy Veer, and like we said, he was literally special needs, Mm -hmm. okay? Well, there was a two-year-old that was having trouble urinating, so Rock decided that to help this kid urinate, he got a pair of scissors and he sliced open the head of the boy's penis. Jerry. After this didn't work, Rock ordered Guy Veer to punish the child. Guy struck the two-year-old in the face six times. This killed the child attempted to burn the remains, but eventually buried him near the compound. Veer suffered no consequences for his actions until months later, and this was only during a drunken fit of rage from Rock, when his punishment was castration, which he literally signed a consent form to have done, which Rock did himself. You know, because now he's also a surgeon. He stated in the release form that this would fix his headaches and his masturbation impulses. Guy would eventually die from complications from the surgery. But before he did, he escaped and he told police that the two-year-old had been kicked by a horse and thus died. This was enough to converge on the compound from police and uh, basically the children's authorities up there. They took all the children from the compound, 27 of them. They charged Avere, Rock, and three others in the group. The police bulldozed the entire compound. The group moved after the compound was demolished. The group actually moved closer to jail so they could be, be near Rock as he served his sentence. He would hope that this would end the ordeal, but we're just getting started. Rock was released after serving 18 months, and the band basically got back together, and they started selling jams and breads and craft under the Ant Hill Kids name. You can find a bunch of signs and stuff out from them that was like, you know, it may look like it, the sign was like made out of little logs, but it said the Ant Hill mm-hmm. kids. But they sold crafts and they sold, they baked bread every day. They would take it in and sell it to the local stores and that's how they made their money.
3: But why didn't these ladies leave? He's in jail.
2: They, uh, you would think You would think 18 months away from him. But you're going to find at the end, you're going to find how crazy it even gets. You would hope after 18 months in prison that Rock would be a reformed man, but well, he I wasn't. I
3: wouldn't even believe yeah. that for a minute.
2: When Rock got drunk, he would hit the members with hammers, axes, and make them fight naked for his pleasure. He even made them perform gross sexual acts on each other. All of this was a, quote-unquote, tool of punishment by God. He would then openly cry and pray for God to quit using him as a vessel the very next day. So, once again, he's the victim. It got so bad that a female member chose to leave her four-month-old baby in the freezing code to die rather than let Rock abuse a baby that he hated. He hated most of the kids. If they weren't his kid, he hated them. It's important to note that by now, all the kids were back too. So that after 18 sense. months and they took the kids away now, now all the kids are back. The incident with leaving the baby outside did get the child's protective services in the area involved again. At this time, a woman escaped with two of her children. And she told of the horrific things that were going on. How the children were forced to not only watch sexual acts with rock, they were also forced to participate. Again, the compound was seized and the kids were taken once more. But after visiting with Rock and the community, an outside agency was going to give the children back and not even have a trial. Child Services fought to get a trial and it was eventually granted. He was such a persuasive man that he was able to convince, convince a group of four or five people had them out to the commune, had them looking around, showed them how things worked, talking to all the people that were there. He had them all convinced that there was nothing wrong going on there, some kind of misunderstanding. And they were ready to just give the kids back without a trial. Reports started surfacing that Rock and Guy Veer mistreated the children that were not Rock's. They were treated like farm animals. Now, Rock would nail some of these children to trees. Then other kids, he would stab or prod with cattle prodders for their insubordination. He would dangle some children as young as two years old over fires just to hear the mothers cry in agony. Rock would punish by kicking with steel-toed boots, some cases causing miscarriages. He would shoot at members with a twenty two rifle and sometimes have members shoot each other in the shoulder, most of this during drunken rages. He would pull out their teeth with a pair of pliers and have some sit on lit stoves. He poured boiling water on one man's skin and on some occasions he was known to make members eat dead mice and feces. He stabbed a woman with a syringe and broke it off in her. And he would have members break their own and others' legs with a sledgehammer. Oh my God. I don't know how much more of this I can take. We mentioned that he felt that he was a healer and a doctor. He once performed surgery on a woman's uterus after she was quote-unquote worked too hard. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Now this one might take the cake, though. In the fall of 1998, one of his concubine, Solange Boylan, was having some stomach issues. Rock felt that this was preventing her from working hard enough out in the garden and around the farm. So because of this, he felt that she needed immediate surgery. So like any good doctor, he got completely drunk. He performed an enema on her made of oil, molasses, and water. He then started punching her in the stomach, and he inserted a tube down her throat for others to breathe for her. he don't have any equipment. He's just makeshifting everything. Using a kitchen knife with his bare hands, he removed a piece of her intestine by ripping it away and then told her that she would heal just fine. And then he had others sew her up because he was too drunk to do it. She coughed up blood all through the night and eventually died the next morning. Instead of burying her, he felt like he could bring her back to life due to a vision that he had. He took her skull, drilled a hole in it, and had sex with it, and he ejaculated semen into the hole because this would revive her like the river birth. That was his exact words. When this didn't work, he had her cremated, but not before removing one of her ribs a souvenir that he proceeded to make into a necklace and keep into a pouch. He also invited others to take some of her bones if they wanted a keepsake. Now this will come into play a little bit later, so remember that part. Keep in mind that this and the next little bit took place after the children had already been removed and the ensuing court date was about to happen. They're awaiting trial, and uh, Rock was still a free man because that third-party agency gave him such glowing reviews. None of this would have happened if they would have just put him away back then. The final straw happened on July 26, 1989. This is where another member of the concubine, Gabriella Lavallee, she was forced into surgery by a drunken Rock, of course, to remove one of her fingers. He instead decided to stab the knife completely through to her hand, essentially pinning it to the table. After more drinking, he whittled it through her skin with a box cutter. He then finished a full amputation using a dull meat cleaver. He cauterized the wound by heating up a car's drive shaft and holding it against the skin. Gabriella knew that she needed medical attention, and she escaped after Brock passed out. She went to the hospital lying about how the injury happened, but the police weren't buying it, and they set out on a manhunt.
3: How did she say it happened? I don't know. Oh, you don't?
2: Mm Mm-mm. Now, keep in mind, this was July. Mm Mm-hmm. When it's the end of July. They set out on a manhunt looking... For Rock, they didn't catch up with him until October. So what are we looking at? Six, seven months? Five months? He was gone a while. Yeah. They catch up in October. They're him. So he's facing charges for all these sexual assaults that went against the children. And he's in jail. He's waiting for all this. That's when police find out about Solange Boylan. So they go out to the compound to search for her remains. Well, they found most of her bones, but realized that some of the bones were missing. Like the rib bone that roke I said roke again, that Rock was actually wearing around his neck during the court trials. He was essentially charged with second degree murder and sentenced to life in jail after that. I spared the children's testimony of what they said in gross detail that he did and had them do. I decided to leave that out.
3: Yeah, thank you. This is horrible.
2: Even after all this, some of his followers were still loyal to them. In fact, he fathered four more children while he was in prison through conjugal visits through three of his concubines that continued to keep visiting him in jail. Each child, by the way, was taken by the authorities as soon as they were born. There is a happy ending to this story, if you can say that. At the age of 63 years old, on February 26, 2011, Rock Terriot was killed by 60-year-old Matthew Gerard McDonald, also a convicted murderer. It was his inmate, his roommate. Apparently, McDonald got tired of hearing Rock brag about all these atrocities that he did to kids, and he took a shiv, And sliced his throat. Thank God. He immediately walked down to the guard station, handed them the weapon, and said, That piece of shit is down on the range. Here's the knife. I sliced him up.
3: Thank Hmm. you, Jesus.
2: And that's the end of our story.
3: That is the most horriblest thing I've ever heard in my life. It was pretty bad. I mean, why? He should have got his penis chopped off years ago.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, and and you look at this guy, this guy's not an attractive guy. He's not a, I mean, he just, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know how desperate somebody is to where they believe some of the stuff that comes when you can see their actions. It's one thing to, you know, some of these people, these cult leaders, I mean, up until the very end, most of them were, you know, they seemed like they were doing the right thing. You can kind of see how somebody might fall into that trap. But when you're constantly hurting people.
3: No, I, I don't understand. I mean, I guess they were just too scared. That, that But, I mean, eventually it did happen to them. All that stuff. Some way, shape, or form. And I just don't understand, especially when he was in jail for the 18 months, why the hell they didn't just get out of yeah, there? Yeah, that
2: was your chance. You would think, like anything else, maybe the first couple of months, you're like, oh, really? But then after a while, you would think, you know, you're like, you're so far away from You're like, what the hell was I thinking?
3: I know. Get out, move to another country, move to another state, something. Why would you put yourself through that? Oh. Those poor kids.
2: Yeah. It was pretty bad. Like I said, I there's a uh, there's a movie called um what was it? Savage Savior? Is that what it was? I don't know. I can't remember. Um whatever I said in the beginning his nickname was, I drew a complete blank on it. But Let me look it up real quick, because I got it right here. Um, there's a movie that came out in 2003, this was before he was actually killed, and it basically tells you about the whole movie. It tells you, it goes into pretty good detail, um. Yeah, The Savage Messiah was his name. And that's the name of the movie, The Savage Messiah. I found it on YouTube. I don't know what other service it's on. But if you get a chance to watch it, it's a it's a, it's a sad movie. It's not the greatest made movie in the world. But it does a pretty good job, I'd say, from following most of the facts. But like I said, that was made literally eight, nine years before he was killed. So you don't really get that part of it in the movie.
3: You know, I mean, I don't wish for anybody to be killed. But somebody like that... Right. Needs to be killed. He needs to be killed, you know, to do the things that he did. And I mean, it's so heartbreaking and unbelievable that somebody could be like that.
2: Yeah. And like I said, I spared some of the details. If you watch that movie, they've got some of the testimony from his actual daughter and it'll just put a lump uh, in your stomach. Uh, but I don't want to do
3: no more of these freaking horrible stories. Yeah. We'll stick to ghost. <laughs> Because that was terrible. So,
2: anyways, that's our 300th episode. And uh, wow. we're going to take a quick uh, sponsor break. And then we'll be back because we're giving away another T-shirt this week. So, oh. thank you guys for the awesome reviews. And, yeah, thank uh, you guys so much. we'll talk a little bit about the Louisville show and uh, how great that went. But uh, we'll talk to you guys in just a minute. Hey, guys, I'm excited to once again tell you about June's Journey. I absolutely love June's Journey because I never get tired of a good whodunit. Who does? You guys are going to absolutely love June's Journey. You get to play as June Parker. And she, or should I say you, are an amateur detective investigating a series of mysteries. It's full of twists and turns around every corner. You'll put your powers of observation to the test, sharpen your sleuthing skills, and relish the thrill of solving the case. The thing I like most about June's Journey is that it is full of hidden clues, immersive scenes, and these graphics are second to none. So whether you're craving just a good mystery or you just need to get away for a while, June's Journey is the perfect game for you. You can just sit back, relax, and let your inner Sherlock escape to the glamorous, roaring 20s. You get to search for hidden clues to solve mystery after mystery across thousands of these beautiful, vivid scenes. And you get new chapters every single week, so there's always a new case just waiting for you to crack. Trust me when I tell you that you're absolutely going to love this game because it's been downloaded over 30 million times. It's my absolute favorite way to wind down at the end of the night, or sometimes just as a little mental pick-me-up, I just turn on June's Journey and let her rip. There is a detective in all of us, guys. Find your inner detective. Download June's Journey free today On the Apple App Store or Google Play. All right, Tracy, let's start off with the Louisville show that we did last night. We actually did this episode in front of everybody. And needless to say, there were many mouths agape.
3: (laughs) Including mine.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, but people enjoyed it. I mean, we had, I don't know how many people come up and say, It wasn't paranormal, but we really enjoyed the story and it was disgusting and, you know, it was shocking. And most people, I took a little poll. There was about, what would you say, 65, 70 people there last night. Yeah, I think so. And I took a little poll and there was three or four people that said they had heard the story before or heard of the Ant Hill kids. Uh Uh-huh. But most of the people hadn't heard it. Yeah. And I think, wish they had enough. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think the reason for that is I was I was talking to Tiffany Boots, who emceed the, the show and did a great job last she night. She
3: sure did. She did a great job.
2: But I think the reason is that you know this happened. You know, like we just said, nineteen eighty nine, yeah, nineteen eighty nine was when most of this came to the end, and then he died in two thousand eleven when you figure, you know, but everybody knows about Jim Jones, so it's happened before then. and Charles Manson and everybody knows about the Branch Davidian and Heaven's Gate, mm-hmm. which were all, you know, still within kind of the time frame, but I think the reason those are so much more popular and well known is because there were mass deaths yeah. involved with all those. Where there really wasn't in this one. There were some, yes. but it wouldn't like, like a, you know. To, yeah. yeah, it wouldn't like the other one. So I think that's why those stand out. <sighs>
3: Yeah, I wasn't a big. I didn't like that story.
2: But it was a fun day at it the was. at the show. Everybody was was doing uh, was just having a great time, and we got to meet some people like Anna Kenyon, yes, who what I, a doll. we have we've talked to forever and never got a chance to meet. Her and her husband came in from Illinois, mm-hmm. and uh, she brought us a brick from the uh, Limp Mansion.
3: I know that was so sweet of her. I cannot begin to tell you how. It makes us feel when these people, like, you know, not even just for us, but for Ohio and for Justin and, you know, come in from all these different states, it still just blows my mind.
2: Yeah, I don't know how many states were there but we were kind of doing a quick count just on the people we knew mm-hmm. there was at least people from six different states yes and, and usually there's about 12 to 13 different states right. represent so mm-hmm. and it probably was pretty close if you if we knew where everybody was from
3: yeah and everyone was so wonderful and just as nice and sweet as they could be and you know it's it's just such a joy for us and we just are so blessed to get to meet all of you all because you guys are so wonderful and I'm sure I'm speaking for for you know for Ohio and for Justin, uh, from Mysterious Circumstance. I mean, we we are just so honored um, to have you guys and to come spend the day. It was so much fun. I had so much fun, except for our part.
2: <laughs> and and we but, really love the people out at that Mill Creek VFW post. This I is our second them. second year yes. we've done a show there. We will definitely be back there next year. Because they are so accommodating, they and are. they can use the money.
3: A- absolutely, they are the sweetest people. And the one guy came out repping in one of our shirts, which was awesome.
2: Yeah, so like, yeah, the, the the gentleman who basically there was only two people there. They yeah. handled the whole crowd, mm-hmm. and um, it was the the young lady behind the bar, and and this gentleman, and and he was there last year. And last year, they all came back and bought shirts and stuff oh my like gosh, that. And then they did. Like you said, in this year, he was—he actually, because we were doing the show, he wore the shirt Isn't in. That
3: sweet? That is a oh, that
2: And is I feel bad him. for him because he had a pinched nerve. So when he wasn't doing oh, he did? something to help us sit out, he actually was in a chair with his <gasps> legs up trying to slouch to make himself feel better. So Oh,
3: my gosh. I did not know yeah. that. Yeah, so not
2: only did they have, and then I found out, and then because I told them that we had some cookies and snacks and stuff back there if they wanted any, and, of course, she was behind the bar. She couldn't leave. Right. And uh, he was just in the chair, so I, I went and got the tray and took it over to them. Yeah, so they could choose what they wanted because I knew it was hard for them. Oh, to get it was his
3: hard? I had no idea he was going through that. Yeah, oh, and he worked his little butt off too. He T- did. Took the garbage out, taking garbage
2: out and helping well, us get set up and yeah, all that. What a
3: sweetheart! But they're very nice people, and if y'all ever, you know, get a chance to contribute to those halls, like for the veterans and stuff, please do. I mean, it's just such an awesome feeling. Just even being in the hall itself, um, it was an honor, I feel like. And, you know, like I said, it was a lot of fun, and I'm always so excited when we get to do these live shows. And, again, thanks for everybody that came out to spend the day with us.
2: Yeah, it was an absolute blast, and we had fun. And thanks to, like I so said, Justin and, and uh, Nick and Rob from Breauxhio and Tiffany. Mm-hmm. Everybody did a fantastic job. It was a, It was a very— uh, very well executed show, I think.
3: James Barnes came.
2: James Barnes came out from Tragedy Cinema. Of course, yeah. we'll be our next live show is in Indianapolis mm-hmm. with James and the the Todd Hedges and then Sean and very Nate excited. from from the yes. uh, Middle Age and Creeped Out, and that's coming up in July in Indianapolis. So, yeah,
3: met a lot of great people. I tell you, it's just I want to know how the we have to get in touch with our friends to see how. Their thing went at Waverly last night.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. We had some some people come in from Nashville. It was funny. He was listening to an old show when we did the Waverly show as, uh, uh, what do you call it, the classic episode. And so we put it on there. It was was, uh, Luke and his father. And he was like, man, I'm I'm not caught up on the episodes, but I heard y'all did Waverly, and I, I can't believe I missed that. And I'm like... I'm like, well, you're not caught up, so you don't know. We're doing a show. This was Friday night. I'm like, we're doing a show in Louisville tomorrow, and they were like three and a half hours away. Mm-hmm. So they, we invited them to be our guests, mm-hmm. and they came out to the show. And once, once he got his dad to say, yeah, he would, he would bring him up here. They would come because he's a younger guy. I'd say mm-hmm. early twenties, maybe might even be younger oh, than that.
3: Such a sweetheart, too. But
2: he, um, they found out that Waverly had a six hour tour. Yep. Yeah. And so they booked that, too. So the two things that he always wanted to do, which was come to one of our live events and go to Waverly, he was able to Isn't make both awesome? of those things happen. And the day before, I didn't even have a clue either one was going I know. Going and out. I
3: was so happy for him. They were so excited. Really nice people. I just hope they spotted something. I kept telling them, oh, you're going to see shadow people because that's, I see them, you know, every time we go there. But I hope they had a really good eventful night yeah. and stuff like that. And I want to thank them, too, for coming down. And it was just such an honor to meet the both of them.
2: Yeah, I'm not going to bore you with details because we talked long enough about this. Let's yeah. give away some t-shirts and then let's listen to uh, Jake and Sierra.
3: We can do that. Uh, are we going to do that now? The t- yes. The t-shirt? Okay. I'm going right. to
2: have you do the Patreons first. Uh-huh. And then that way we'll, we'll do this at the and that'll give me a chance to pull up the uh, the random number thing.
3: Okay. Uh, our Patreons this week was Christian canada and i wanted to say it like michael scott did canada <laughs> and uh tony hernandez thank you guys so much for your support we appreciate y'all so much we have a crap ton well
2: how many do we have, we have 26 26
3: no 27 my bad we have 27 are we gonna do two this time
2: yeah, I like how you just put me on the spot. Like when little kids come to their parents with the kid, "Hey, can so and so spend the night?"
3: I know, and like you have to say yes. So yes, we're doing two t-shirts. Yes,
2: we'll do yay!
3: Two. Okay, great. And what we're going to do, we'll do like we did the little last time. And uh, I'll say the number,
2: a name, and the, and the number yes, and the name. Okay, yes.
3: okay. So everybody, okay, I have to catch my breath for this one. Okay. Number one is Jason B. Number two is Derek Bowen. Number three is Mojo Lobster. Number four is Amber T-Girl. Number five is Amanda from PA. Number six is Nate Sherman. Number seven is Mindy from Missouri. Number eight is Courtney Hennon. Number nine is Ethan Rice. Number 10, Mike MacArthur. And number 11 is Augusta Caesar Hunt. Number 12 is Brenda. 13 is Chris from New York. 14 is Ryan of Mon Valley. 15 is Leanne Loves Hillbillies. We love you too, girl. Number 16 is Emily Lee. 17 is Stacy Schmidt. 18 is Denise, 19 is Tony S, 20 is Brett, 21 is Paul W, 22 is Yvonne B, 23 is Bobby Nannery, 24 is Darla. Rousseau, oh, well, I knew I was going to mess it up. R O U S S E A U. Rousseau? Rousseau?
2: Probably Rousseau. Uh,
3: 24 is Heidi L. 25 is Mayo Burb. 26 is Rich H. 27 is Debbie Z. And thank you guys for your awesome reviews. We love you all so much for doing that.
2: All right, ready to do the first one? Yes. Number five.
3: Amber from Pennsylvania.
2: All right, so there's our first one. And number 26. Rich H. So if you heard your name, send us a message either on Facebook. If, you, if you're a Facebook friend or something, you can just send us a message. through us a messenger or send us an email at Stories at gmail.com. And uh, once you send us a message, I'll... Uh, get your sizes and addresses and i'll let you pick your t-shirt yeah, out.
3: yeah you can pick whichever shirt you want yeah
2: you can just go to our store uh-huh. and pick it out so you can if you want to do that ahead of time before you even write us you can just say hey All i right. want this logo this size well what color
3: this is fun uh i love doing this <laughs> it's so much fun i know you do yay okay guys we hope to hear from y'all soon on your t-shirts yep what else we got babe
2: well, now we're going to listen to...
3: Oh, Sierra. Sierra and Jake, yes, Shirley. Yes, love them so much. from They're awesome. From
2: Graham's Attic.
3: Yeah, give them a listen, guys.
2: Hey, guys. We are in for a fun treat tonight because only for the second time in the almost two years we've had the studio, we have in-studio guests. Yes. And Tracy's part of this, which most of the time she isn't as far as the interview process. Oh, okay. That's true. Yeah, you're never on the interview. Oh, no, not really. Anyways, we have Jake and Sierra Shirley on here with us. Some of you may remember the pictures because back on Halloween, I was uh, lucky enough to be able to preside over their wedding in a um, cemetery in Bardstown on Halloween. So they got tons of stories to talk to us about, plus a new business venture that is right up your guy's alley. So, Jay Sierra, thanks for coming by. Mhm, yeah.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, Thank happy you guys. To be here.
2: <laughs> so, let's talk of, first of all. We did the wedding and I was able to dress up in like a uh, a monk type outfit. Also looked kind of satanistic. I don't think that was the intention of it, but that's the way it turned out. But what were your guys' thoughts on having a wedding on Halloween at a cemetery? How did that come to be?
1: Uh, I think it was more my idea. Um, I mean, we're both creepy, so it was just kind of fitting in mm-hmm. a way. So
0: Yeah, it's both of our favorite holidays, too. Yep. It just
1: mm-hmm. kind of just came together, and it was on a Sunday. It was on a weekend, and I was like, well, it's like perfect to do it this year because you know the next year it would have been on a monday right so right
2: <laughs> and you guys had nobody there it was just us tracy myself yep. and the photographer yep. you guys and honored to have you all yeah, yeah. Hey,
3: I it was honor for you to invite us to be a part of it <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. all right so let's talk paranormal now you guys live in a house that has some activity mm-hmm. and jake obviously it's a tough subject to bring up but your your brother was a deputy sheriff in louisville and uh He was more or less killed point blank by some people that I don't even want to talk about. And, you know, we mentioned it on the show a a couple of times. And that situation, I know, has got to be tough for for you and your family. But you think that possibly there could be some connection to your brother's death and the spirit that's in your house now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what's going on in the house. I know you told us a little bit earlier and and why you think that may be your brother's presence.
0: Uh, I mean, I think Sierra could probably answer more of that, honestly. I've personally only, I've only had one, well, I mean, I've had my own personal encounters outside, you know, everybody sees the Cardinals and this and that, but I've had dreams where I wake up and I hear him whispering in my ear, and a couple of times where I've gotten up and I've seen a figure, like, get off the bed, almost like you're sitting there hanging out with me, or even like a pat on my shoulder, which is something he used to do, because, we would joke back and forth about how, you know, I'm only 5'10", and he's like a good 6'2". You know, so he would tease me and pat my shoulder, call me Shorty, and I still get that feeling. But uh, uh, recently, actually, uh, Sierra, she's been seeing a lot out of the two, out of my daughter and what we, who we think is Brandon anyways. So they've had been some crazy experiences.
2: Yeah. Go ahead, Sierra. Tell us some like uh, some of the things that your daughter does that lead you to believe that this may be Brandon's presence.
1: Well, um, our daughter is two years old. I don't know. She'll um, she'll just be in her room playing. I'll go in there and she'll she'll just be talking to somebody, and I'll ask her who she's talking to, and sometimes she'll tell me Brandon, and other times I you know I'll just be kind of hiding like where she doesn't see me. She'll just be standing there with her arms reached But She out. said
0: things too. She said things like police officer, or officer, yeah, or, or badge, or you know, she's pointed out a. That he carries a gun on his hip, like I carry a gun on my hip, and yeah. you know things that look pretty indicate that you know it's it's probably probably him.
2: Oh yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. What other kind of experiences have you had in the house? Did you have any before Brandon's death, or was these, these all come since?
0: Yeah, we did for a yeah. minute there. Yeah, we had a. <laughs> so when we bought our house, we had a. We it was too late when we found out, but our neighbor came over one day and happened to tell us about the older man that was living there. He died shortly after his wife died there. And he never paid us no mind other than maybe, like, moving things around the house. Like, little things would just kind of shift here and there, and, you know, you think nothing of it. But uh, when me and her got married, and we full-blown started bringing, like, the goth and uh, the creepy stuff in and some of the aesthetics... Uh, We would have things like fall off the shelf, or, you know, we brought in human bones and they get tossed across the room, or, you know, he was just uncomfortable with some of the situations. That's so
2: odd that people would be uncomfortable with having human bones in the house. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. We think that that maybe the previous previous guy there, his spirit doesn't really, he's not too fond of some of the. (laughs) things in there we found out he was a, a pretty big christian and maybe it goes against how he feels in his mm-hmm. spirit self i guess
2: well since we're on that subject it wouldn't exactly when i was planning on talking about it but we're going to jump into it since it got brought up and we'll get back to some paranormal experiences after the fact thank okay. you tell us about the new business venture that you guys have uh, delved into do you want to jump in or...
1: <laughs>
0: um i mean we can honestly the house kind of explains that yeah, uh, we met and we've f- we we both learned that we uh we love some of these creepier like otter things that happen in your house like so, I don't know some things that just scream you know like hey that's that's uh, that's weird we probably need to own that I started collecting like a lot of things and she was like what are you doing you know kind of like a hoarder like an old man it is motorcycles or cars <laughs> mm-hmm. I started collecting some creepier things otter things you know the bones and clothes and whatever have you. And I, I think she approached me one day and said, Hey, we've got quite a bit of this stuff. What are you going to do with it? And I was like, you've always talked about owning a business or doing something. How about sell them? And <laughs> she, uh, she was like, yeah, I don't know how we're going to do that. And well, here it is so much down the road, you find enough people that want to sell your stuff for you, you know? And she, uh, she said, uh, let's call it a Grim's addict. And, I said, okay, if you're sure about that, and I don't know, it's uh, started to take off. We find that she likes it, and people like it, and people like to buy some of the stuff, and cool community.
2: Yeah. <laughs> So, basically, you can go to Grimm's Attic on Facebook, like the page. I, pu- I shared this on the uh, our Facebook page a couple weeks back. But you can go there, and they have a bunch of stuff for sale. They don't have as much right now as they will in the future mm-hmm. and uh, some other opportunities coming up. But give an example of a couple of things that you guys have for sale or a couple of things that you've already sold. Well, you got your end. Is yeah, I was going to say,
1: I'll list, like, a few things that we have, like, for sale and then, like, some personal items that we have that... You know, kind of aren't for sale, but we'll give you, like, an idea of what we're interested in. We have a lot of bones, like, as far as, like, animals go. I make jewelry. Like, got some jewelry made of, like, uh deer bones. Let's see. I've got little jewels that have, like, skulls on them.
0: Stones. Common stuff there, Yeah,
1: too. and stones. Just mm-hmm. little oddity things. I mean, you could... Right now, I have this doll for sale. If anybody wants her, you can take her. <laughs> It's a porcelain doll. She's like a hundred something years old. Wow. She was made and, here in Louisville. Yeah, she was made here in Louisville.
0: Handcrafted.
1: And she I ended up like cutting her head off. I felt terrible about that. But uh
2: <laughs> As you should.
1: Yeah, I put an alligator head on her <laughs> and I put its original hair back on her. Her name is Nellie. She is for sale. So if you look us up on Facebook, you will see her on there. So, yeah, she's very pretty. That's cool.
2: <laughs> I've seen that. It's really cool. It's a little stroller. How does one acquire a human bone?
0: That's halfway illegal to talk about. <laughs> uh, it depends. There are uh, feasible and civil ways, I guess, to acquire them. Um, and then there's ways that, yeah, like I said, you can't talk about. But uh, And there's also certain types of bones you are and aren't allowed to have, too. And yeah. then depending on where they came from, that's a big thing, too. I am lucky enough that they do do sometimes, and I'm sure the people on your page will tell me I'm a liar or, you know, that that's not true, but not grave robbing, but sometimes there are, uh, like when you have, I don't forget the name, but it's Brendan that it does it, but he'll remove a casket from the ground or say by chance, say a lot, plot like, uh, what's ours down the road? I can't remember. This is a real big one. Um say a giant graveyard somebody else gets buried right and they didn't realize there was a casket below or a body that was buried there previously they go to dig and they're like oh sh-, you know we found yeah. some bones we found an old casket they don't they, they get sold for auction they get sold for well to me my body will essentially say hey can I have them or they get thrown away or pitched out I can't, I can't say too many things because then you you. Know, everybody will want to yeah. acquire them you know it's hard enough anymore collecting them or getting a hold of them. You know, you give out a trade secret, then I'll be out of business.
2: No, yeah. I got you. I mean, I, I can't count how many times I've been to lunch with somebody and they just said, you know, I wish I had a way to get human bones, but I just yeah. don't know a way.
0: They can ask questions like I did. <laughs> I just, yeah. I, you know, you go to the spot, you know, you need an oil change, you go to a mechanic and then, you know, uh, you want some bones, you go to where, where the last place you put them, you know, and yeah. ask around.
1: Well, and, not just that, but actually we've been learning through like some of the business that we've been doing. It's actually illegal and you have to have a permit for certain things. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's illegal to, I think it's Indiana,
0: it's several states,
1: Louisiana, Tennessee. You can't have human bones. You can't types. buy, sell, or trade. Right? Yeah. So it, it yeah, we're learning all that. Mm-hmm. But
2: you it's had, good to know. You had a jawbone with some teeth in one of your pictures. What was that of? It wasn't a human. It was obviously no. Yeah. Was it a deer? Yeah, it was a deer. Okay. Yeah. 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 It was
1: actually. Yeah. Uh, it went on a wreath that I made. So yeah, oh,
2: yeah. yeah that See, one sold. yeah. Yep. That would have cool. been perfect just in time for Easter. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome
3: though. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. So once again, Graham's Attic. Mm-hmm. Grim Attic or Grim's Addict? Grim's Addict. Grim's, Attic. Yeah. Grim's Attic. Go to Facebook, like the page and you'll see some stuff that they've got for sale on there. But they're going to have other stuff coming out. Uh, Sierra's going to be making uh, personalized t-shirts and stuff like that mm-hmm. coming in the near future. So they're really just getting started but it's going to be awesome and they're good friends of ours. So go check them out. Yeah, thank you. Alright, so let's go back to, to Jake. Tell us some of your personal paranormal stories. I know you got a bunch of them. I mean, I have
0: several. I have a handful. Is there. um there's, I don't know uh if your audience is real familiar with Waverly. There's several that come from there, which my my experiences there are probably uh similar, if not close to you know most of the people that will go there. But i um, just experiencing bodies in the shoot that they have there. It's infamous body shoot. You know they roll the bodies down, they expose them from there, dispose of them. Figures walking in the hallways and such. Their personal experiences. We lived in a house. We lived in uh, what was it uh I don't think it was Grace and Breckridge. That's what it was, Breck Ridge, Um We had a house that was right about 1800. It was dirt floor, you know, like c- couldn't believe it was still standing. And uh, uh, my mom at the time had married in or married into a fellow and he owned it. And I can remember one night me and my brothers were uh, were awake. And uh, every night my mom, she would scream at us. For a while, they we were getting in trouble. We were getting grounded because uh, we would hear footsteps or we'd hear this running up and down. You know, the the one part of what we had was our hallway. But we would hear footsteps running back and forth and door slamming and the lights on and off and such. And my mom, you know, she just didn't believe. It. She's like, you know, get to bed. You know, what are y'all doing? Oh, she's
3: thinking like, it's you guys. Yeah, she, uh-huh. she
0: was literally thought it was us, you know, me and my brother Tony. Uh, you know, we were getting cussed at the belt and all this stuff and, uh, you know, picking a switch. And she was uh, pretty adamant that it was us. And we tried to explain it to her. No, it's not the case. You know, we're hearing it. And me and my brother would take turns. We'd stay up and night shift. You know, you'd take a couple hours. I took a couple hours. And we'd try to catch it. Never could, never could figure out what was going on until. One night we thought our mom beat us up. Like maybe she stayed awake to try to catch us doing it. And we hear clinking and clanging and stuff going on in the kitchen. And we're like, oh, mom's up. Yeah, she'll see it this time. And we go to go in there and her room is also parallel to the kitchen. She meets us there. And we converge into the kitchen just to find that the dishes had been done. Like some of the dishes were not clean, of course, but they went from the sink to the dish holder and, and the stove was open and it almost looked like somebody was preparing a meal i don't know it's one of the weirder ones i guess you could say experience But hey, annoying at one point and then uh, i don't know you kind of think they're going to cook you a meal and help you out with chores is another but <laughs> we never got to the bottom they never figured out that one but it was kind of a, a cool one to experience there
3: so your mom figured out that it really wasn't you guys
0: yeah yeah she figured it out the hard way so we, we met in the, the kitchen like i said and we both saw the same thing, some dishes in the rack and hmm. stove was open. And, you know, she's like, okay, well, I'm sorry,
2: guys. And <laughs> went from there.
3: Oh, my goodness.
2: So, you shared some paranormal stories on the past, but it was on one of our Patreon episodes. Mm-hmm. Would you care to share one of those or even if it was a different one now?
1: There's, I mean, there's a couple different ones that I have. There's one place, it's out in Bullock County. It's called the River Bottoms. My husband's heard this story so many times. He's probably rolling his eyes right now. <laughs>
0: <But> <laughs> we we live there now, so it's yeah. <laughs> the locals. You know, you talk about it
1: a Oh, time. yeah. But um, <laughs> I'm not going to, like, mention any names, but there was a family that, you know, we were kind of close to, and, you know, some stuff happened, you know, within the family. Like, a murder took place, and come to find out she was found there, and... This was, like, years ago. I think it was, like, maybe early 2000s. So, I want to say 2013, uh, it was me, my mom, my sister, my dad, a bunch of us. We went out there, and at the time, there was a barn back there, and we were, you know, just walking around with our flashlights. And my mom was like, I want to go look at this barn. Something's telling me to go look at this barn. And I was like, no, I was like, we should probably, you know, go back to the truck. And it it took a while to convince my mom not to go in that barn. We went back, you know, to the truck. We went home that night, probably like the next week on the news. They were down there in that barn. I don't know why they decided to go through it, but they found her bloody clothes in that barn.
3: Oh. Yeah.
1: And like, this was years ago that that took place. I, it, it was crazy. I couldn't believe it. That is very crazy.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
1: give me the chills. It, it usually does give me cold chills. I'm surprised it's not doing it now. Mm-hmm. But I guess because I've told that story so many times, mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh. We have a, a lot of. Actually, I still. I'm pretty sure we still have one of the recordings from that night. Like we catch a lot of stuff down there. So. Interesting. Yeah.
2: Jake, you got another one you want to share? Not so much baffled
0: pieces, um, if anything, baffled pieces with some of my stories. I was trying to gather. I, I have I have some of one, but if anything, if you give me a second, I'd like to put the rest of it together. I don't. I don't. Uh,
2: All right. I'm sure Sierra's got another one. It's another one. Tell. Me
0: and my brother actually down in the woods, but uh, yeah. Give me a second. To, I can't remember the end of the tale of it.
1: Okay. I guess I'll tell the story about my grandpa. So my grandpa passed away 2010. Yeah, 2010. I went into a grocery store, and this lady, never seen her before in my entire life, she stopped me. She was like, this is going to sound so weird, but I just want to let you know, like, I i can see your grandfather, and I can speak to him. And I wanted to let you know that he didn't feel anything from his heart attack when he died. And I was like, what? Like, this lady is insane. Like, she's crazy. She was like, I know, like, it just sounds insane. She was like, but... He leaves you pennies and you don't pay attention to them. She's like, you need to start doing that. And I was like, okay, whatever, weird lady. (laughs) And (laughs) I'm walking out of the grocery store and I just happen to look down and I see a penny and I'm like, oh, whatever. It's, It's the grocery store. You see pennies everywhere. So I just walk past it. I go home and I think I was like getting ready to take a shower or something. And my toilet seat was already down or I put it down, and then I walked out, came back, and there was a penny sitting on the toilet seat. (laughs) And I started bawling. Like, oh, my gosh, it was the craziest thing ever. Like, I I still remember how I felt that night.
3: That's so sweet. Yeah.
1: Aw. Yep.
2: Now, how did that experience make you feel as far as how you felt about life after death? As opposed to, you know, if you might, you might have already been a believer, but did that, like, just certify it for you?
1: Uh, I mean, as far as mediums go, I, I mean, I don't know. I was on the fence about it, but definitely. And, you know, when she said that and that, you know, that all happened, they're definitely still with you when they pass away. Mm-hmm. They're still around. You can still talk to them. They know what's going on in your day-to-day lives. Like, they, they know.
3: <laughs> Sounds like your experience that you had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot like it.
2: Got your story together yet, Jake? Or we need Sierra to chime in on no, that? No, I couldn't.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't want to tell it. Not out of I, I mean, I got a handful of like little ones that I can remember. You know, some of which being held. We've had one together. Uh, me and Sierra. We went to. A, was it the graveyard? Uh, I can't think of the name of The Highlands. It's pretty open. They don't even have gates yeah. on it. It's it's big. It's really big. But I can't think of the name of it. If anybody, any of your listeners are familiar with Louisville, like uh, this. Especially where the Spinelli's restaurant is, there on Barstown Road. Um, there's a graveyard back there, and uh, we've got pictures of where her and her girlfriend were. It was weird. It was like just what January, February, maybe at the time.
1: I think it was November. I
0: mean, what? No, yeah. it was, this was this was this year. It's like a couple months ago. Oh, I don't know. yeah, when me and you and Becca went. That's what it was. In that time, but it was colder weather, and oddly enough, is one of our crazy days, you know, where it's suddenly 60, 75 degrees, oh, or whatever. Yeah. So we got out we went exploring. This was like two in the morning there, too, maybe going on three, and uh, it's a warmer day, so we're just having fun. We have a uh, I have pictures that she's here. she'll she's gonna hear this for the first time now, but uh her and her friend were lollygagging, you know, running around and they kept saying, Oh, I swear, I think I see this there's a figure by this tree and oh, you know, there's a figure over here by this grave and you know, everybody's you see what you want to see at the moment there, you know, you're hallucinating you her You put you put you put you put things in your head, you know, but uh no I've got pictures that uh they were pointing at this tree and there sure enough there's a figure in the background, there's a figure that's right by this tree, like right where they're pointing to. It's funny. They're talking about they saw something, and I've got yeah, I got the picture of that. I don't know that I have any like anything on the scarier, like super interesting side.
3: Well, Minor- was it looking at us or?
0: No, no. <laughs> yeah, <so you're> like, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah,
3: you need to tell me about no.
0: this. <laughs> so to put it in perspective, like if you're ten feet away from me in the picture, and then the tree is the background, and he's maybe 30 yards off. So all you see is a figure, but it's definitely a silhouette of like a person just kind of hovering. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll show you that when we get home.
3: <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. See yeah, don't
1: what's,
0: see. what's weird too, is we have the crappier cameras at the time too on our phone. And this was pitch black. Like it was crazy black. And we were standing there, like we had our lights out just to see where we were walking and such. And we were taking these pictures and they were clear, like crystal clear, like almost like daytime, mm-hmm. broad day. And it almost makes the silhouette look even creepier is, I don't know. Great. I, like,
2: I think we covered <laughs> on your on your wedding day, probably not to keep secrets and yeah, she's just we, not finding this out did. three months later. Yeah.
0: I think I just I think I might have been at work, but you know, probably just piddling it. I looked at it, and realized that oh shit, well, that's all there's something there. <laughs> yeah. and I just it, it probably packs me up. I stay so yeah, it's strong at work, I forget a lot of things.
3: But...
2: <laughs> well guys, it's been super fun having you over to the house and thank you for dinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also Uh, Before we get out of here, tell them again how they can keep up with your site and all things. The best
0: best option is Facebook. We're still working out the kinks on uh, Instagram to try to be able to, like, where we could both mediate it or, like, admin it. We're working it out there, possibly. Snapchat's not really the formula for it, but Facebook is probably the best way to get a hold of it. There are emails on both of our pages and links on both of our personal Facebook pages to get a hold of those, but... Um, We do respond to all the messages that come through on the page, whether it's email or direct message. So, yeah, it's probably the best way to contact us. And then, you know, like you had said earlier, we have shirts, stickers, and then something too big about that. We have so much more stuff on there than we post. We're just jump-starting into the whole getting the page official, we want to get the blue check mark. you know, we're, we're working on making it a, and it's hard with the legalities on Facebook and like what it is that we do to make it a, a mm-hmm. page that promotes what we do. Right. So any kind of questions, if you think, if you, if you thought like, Hey man, I'd love to have the, you know, the, the toe of a uh, ancient Pharaoh, you know, probably I can get it, you know, you know, probably <laughs> I can put my hands on it. So yeah, just give us a shot on Facebook. Wow, or nice. Go from there with that.
3: Well, we wish you guys all the luck. You won't need it. Cause you're all, You're really cool and you'll have some interesting things. So, well, thank you. We're happy for you guys. (laughs) Thank you. Not a a problem.
2: All right, guys. We'll check you out soon. All right, guys. That wraps up a uh, very unique 300th episode.
3: We love those two so much and we are so happy for their new adventures. Please check out their website. And we hope that you guys have a very blessed week. Thank you guys for hanging with us. We love you all so much.
2: All right, guys, that wraps it up, and we'll talk to you soon.
3: Bye.